Welcome to episode 202 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. And I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, Cameron, it's lovely to see your face here. You too. Over, over Zoom. this computer. Doing this remotely here as we are on our, our separate holiday travels. Uh, yes. How are you? How's Texas? Good. Texas is good. It's nice and warm. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I can, I can damn, see. Damn you. Yeah. Damn you for being warm. You have many layers on and I'm in a t-shirt and shorts. Yep. I actually just realized that I should probably take off this this North Face jacket because I think that I think this makes a lot of rustling sounds. Let me get this. Let me just let me just my first ever time disrobing on the podcast. Oh, man. Oh, it's getting getting hot and steamy in here. Okay, It's getting steamy. Should be better. But is Texas super hot right now? Yeah, I mean, it's probably high 70s low 80s right oh, now wow. damn i just assumed I was... i've not been outside yet today oh, okay <laughs> fair I don't, I don't uh, blame you. yeah fighting off the end of a cold oh, which no. is why we we couldn't record last week uh so i i will take that full burden on myself you you don't have to i think if we ever don't record i if, if i were to hazard a guess i would assume that our listeners assume it's my fault because i'm usually the one that I had mean, to like as they should cancel things and like like i'm the reason we'd have to take weeks off at a time when i was working at the agency or or months off at a time so. <laughs> yeah i mean that that's the burden you you pay is the high status character I, that's that is absolutely <laughs> that is absolutely true uh how are I, you how, how's status. home for you home is good um my instagram You're recording in a very fancy rv right uh, yes, now yes i'm recording out in our in our airstream because uh everything is under construction at my parents house uh if you are checking out my instagram these days it is just non-stop content of my parents dog winston who is so so adorable so cute and is following me around like a fluffy white shadow and i'm super happy about it amazing so, <laughs> i'm actually kind of bummed that he's not here right now constantly distracting me during the recording yeah i i had to put the fence up to keep the dogs downstairs <laughs> hey you know we're just getting our dog fixed as well we can oh man i needed it we're, yeah we're not, we're not getting it home <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh but yes uh obviously this is coming out uh the week after thanksgiving though we're recording it the week prior but i hope everyone who did celebrate thanksgiving had a lovely one and uh yes. you can now officially start putting up christmas decorations everybody good thank you for the for permission yes. are, okay are you no actually no this is not true I was, are you the kind of person like i am where it's it's thanksgiving's the hard cut after thanksgiving everything christmas goes up but i feel like you you have already started putting up christmas stuff haven't you i i put up the the outline of christmas in my apartment what does that even mean what what is the outline I mean, they, of christmas i brought all the boxes out my tree is up but not decorated okay um i, I just moved everything out mo mostly for my sanity okay and now when i go back for post thanksgiving i will decorate okay so now you can just go and, and, and dive in proper yeah but like i hadn't listened to any christmas music until i got mm -hmm. here uh, and so I, I'd been I'd been doing a pretty good job, I would say, of like not jumping the gun and celebrating too okay. early, like I always do. You're you're, you're just kind of getting things started here, a little a little Christmas yeah. foreplay. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Cameron Dexter, the Christmas fluffer. Ex yes, that is me. <laughs> I mean, I am, and I don't know if you can see it. I have my you are. Mickey and Minnie. <laughs> my Mickey and Minnie Christmas shirt. I did. I did love your your Instagram post about someone asking if you're a Disney fan and you not understanding why until you looked at yourself. <laughs> I genuinely, I I was at the airport. I'll tell the story again. I was at the airport <laughs> about to board my plane, uh, and someone came up to me. And was like, "Oh, you're a Disney fan," and I said, "I am. How can you tell?" Because I 
you know, when I don't wear a Disney shirt, in my mind, I'm fully incognito of my Disney persona. Yeah, I was wearing my Scott Pilgrim shirt. Uh, I had like I wasn't listening to Disney music at all. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he you know, it was a lucky guess from his part. I'm like, yeah, how can you tell that I'm a Disney fan? And then I look and I forgot I'm wearing my blue one stitch backpack. I have my giant bright red Mickey Mouse suitcase. <laughs> uh, I have my Disney Disneyland sweater tied around my waist and my Disneyland mask on and my Marvel hat on. Well, you know, you are nothing if not consistent. Yeah, and we do appreciate this about you. I mean, it, it, at this point in this season of my life, it's almost becoming a stereotype and a trope in itself. Almost. I, I'm reaching almost. season. I'm reaching season eight of Homer Simpson, <laughs> and I'm worried for what that's going to lead to. I, I appreciate you think you haven't reached that yet. It's true. Yes. I did. My parents got a Peloton, <laughs> and so I rode the Peloton yesterday and found they did have a Disney ride along, uh, which of course I did. <laughs> Yes, and you continue to think you're not yet there. <laughs> Good for you, Cameron. Well, to be fair, it was it was the fifth anniversary of Moana, one of my favorite Disney movies. And I'm like, oh, I want to ride to Moana music. They didn't have a Moana-specific one. It's like, okay, I guess I'll put on Disney instead. Oh, woe is you. Woe is me. <laughs> uh, well, happy Disney holidays to you, Cameron. Thank you, and to you. <laughs> That'll be one hundred and fifty nine dollars. Of course, yes. Yeah, just just because we said the words, <laughs> the Disney lawyers are hunting us. Um, yes. But all right. So, I I suppose we should get into our episodes this week. But to be perfectly honest, I don't really want to because they're crap. Look, I uh, these are two episodes I feel like I should be fully devoted to because they're bad a lot and of you love things. bad things. Yes, A, yes, but B, because it's like like different branches of mythologies. Okay. Which I love. Like yes. I you know, the, the second episode is loose Norse mythology stories. Um Prince John is kind of I thought was based off of Knut, um Knut the Great, mm-hmm. who was a, a real life king of England who kind of unified the world uh in in the like 11th century okay uh but it's not it, it is not based on him. Just, he's just a random yeah character. isn't it based off the comic par- character isn't like a comic character the viking prince yeah so yeah the viking prince was the first uh short in the original um brave and the bold comic from 1955 oh okay okay Yes, they they went way back then. Yeah, and I tried to look at more information, and that was that's basically that's it. pretty much all I found as well. So I mean, we'll we'll get to that. That's definitely the better of the two. Um, because mm-hmm. uh, first up, we have chaos at the Earth's core. Yeah, first we got to go to the center. Okay, of the Earth. L- let me try and 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 pull back as much annoyance as I possibly can while I get into this little <laughs> the summary here. But okay, so in this one, after defeating a kaiju. Green Lantern, Supergirl, Stargirl, and Stripe are sucked through a magic portal to Skartaris, a world at the Earth's core. There they join Travis Morgan, a.k.a. Warlord, on a mission to stop the evil sorcerer, uh, his army of dino men, and his backers, Metallo and Silver Banshee, from stealing a massive chunk of kryptonite. Pretty much it, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, I'll start with the positive. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's a short list. I love the look of Warlord. Travis Morgan looks super cool. Yes, he does. He does look pretty cool. I will admit that. Uh, 
And that is the end of my list. <laughs> I, I was trying to do like a little bit of research because I guess this is based off of some some comics. Um, I, I, mm-hmm. I keep reference to first issue special number eight, which is the introduction of Warlord and um, Skataris. And who, who's who's the evil demon dude? What's his name? Uh, Starts with a uh, D. Dar. Yeah. Deimos. Deimos. Deimos, who yes. is not, in fact, voiced by Christopher Lee, but by uh, this actor, Douglas Dunning, doing a Christopher Lee impression. Definitely. Yes. Um, like, I... Oh, Deimos has a very interesting look in the comics. Oh, does he? send this to you real fast. Because um, I, I, I was doing... A, I was trying to, like, where... where What's what's going on here? What, what's the significance of all of this? And it's all, it's all, to be honest, like, really, really stupid and silly. But probably the favorite bit of trivia I read up on was... Uh, in reference to Jennifer Morgan, who is Travis's daughter, who's a sorceress. And like the one piece of trivia there basically said that be- as the the daughter of Travis Morgan, she's one of the few women in Skartaris not sexually attracted to Warlord. <laughs> Great. Yeah, that was an actual piece of trivia someone insisted on including <laughs> about you these know characters. It's, it's good to know there's... Is there a flipped version of the Oedipus Complex? Oh, oh, sorry. I'm just now seeing the link you sent me of, of Damus' luck. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. I mean... That's, that's a lot. I, I'm pretty sure, like, Britney Spears has worn this in a, a music video at some point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's yeah, a yeah. lot of exposed leg, a lot of exposed midriff. Um, I'm, I'm... This is kind of doing it for me, but I'm also, like, weirded out by the fact that it is. But being honest, yeah, like, it's it's I, sexy I, Doctor Strange. It is sexy Doctor Strange, and I think that's it. Is I don't necessarily want to see this guy in this outfit, but maybe someone that I was more attracted to in this outfit, I could be on board with. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's the goatee for me. That that's the Doctor Strange that I. Yeah, see. I mean, it, yeah, I think he's got the dark hair, the uh, the high collar, a similar color mm-hmm. palette, the goatee. I mean, I'm not sure which one came first. I'm not going to bother looking it up. Um, <laughs> but i suspect that look in particular might be based off of, of dr strange but yeah it, this okay so i guess we'll start right at the top there they they're this little pocket group of the league is fighting a kaiju in japan and the initial thought was, that was fun. Oh, like i like yeah, that. Like, oh godzilla well it's not godzilla it's uh gamera it would be the closest prox like um, proxy for the Godzilla universe. But what I did love is specifically, this is also a reference to an, uh, a comic of Jimmy Olsen, Superman's best pal or Superman's best pal, Jimmy Olsen, in which Jimmy mm-hmm. Olsen is transformed into a giant turtle. And the reason you can tell is because there's like this little tuft of red hair on top of the Kaiju, just like that design from that comic, which I thought was just like, Oh, that's fun. <laughs> like that's good. If there's one thing I can appreciate about these episodes so far this season, which we pretty much have not liked across the board is that the writers and the producers are clearly going for like the deepest cuts they possibly can. Yeah. They're, they're allowed to just do anything. Yeah. And that that's fun. Yeah. So they can just pick anything they want. So this is a very specific look. I love they pulled it. We get our first um, look at Supergirl's new costume, which is very much more mm-hmm. like classic Supergirl inspired. What, what do you think about the costume changes? Do you like it? I do. This is a personal, personal thing for me. And it's been something I've been, uh, chastised for over the years. Not a, not a fan of bangs. I, I don't You're like not a fan front of bangs. bangs. Okay. Not a fan of front bangs. And and Supergirl has kind of the wispy front bangs, and it's I don't know. I'm not digging it. You're out. I'm out. Didn't she? She what? had she had bangs before too, though. Not not like the curtain bangs. Yeah. 
Yeah, she did. I don't think so. No, she totally did. They, they're different. It's different. I mean, she, if, if I anything's know. her her old bangs are that much more pronounced than her new bangs, Cameron. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, there's something about the hair that I don't like. And I know it's it's basically the exact same, but they darkened it a little bit. Wait, but I'm really confused then because one of your favorite characters from Static Shock was she bang. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> No, when Taylor Swift had her in like in twenty like twenty twelve twenty thirteen, and Taylor Swift had her front bang moment, and like every other girl copied it, I was I was not living a good life. Well, I'm I'm very sorry for your loss, Cameron. Thank you. That, that some women choose to have bangs, and you don't like that. <laughs> I um, I luckily have uh, I do not follow Taylor Swift at all, so I did not realize that she had started a, a temporary bang revolution. She did. Oh man! So you didn't follow anything in the past in the past two. Weeks. I know, like I know, I know. She has like a new album out, and one of the songs is all about her breakup with Jake Gyllenhaal, and everyone's going crazy about it. I haven't listened to any of it because I'm just not a T Swift person. I I didn't think I was. I was always just kind of just on the outside of it, but because of TikTok culture <laughs> and this like mysterious like conspiracy wrapped around Taylor Swift. And she hides all these like small clues in all of her things. Like she's uh, fucking Dan really Brown. What the... are you talking about? What clues is she hiding in her songs? I uh, it's not in the songs. It's like in the promotion stuff that she does. It's like when she was promoting Evermore, her uh, her album at the beginning of the year. There were like clues in the promotion of the album that told us that the remake of Red, which just came out, was coming out on November twelfth. And fans had like had been following these string of clues for weeks, and finally discovered that that was that was the next album coming out. Wow, I don't know. It's fun. That's fun things. Like I, it's it's what we want as like comic nerds. We want that kind of stuff. I I guess. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I just for whatever reason I, I've just never I've never been a Taylor Swift person. I, I actually once ruined a date that I was on because the guy was talking about Taylor Swift and was like, I don't, I don't like Taylor Swift. And he like, just <laughs> like literally like the conversation died at that point. He just didn't know what to say to me. I was like, I just think she's really fake. I don't really see the appeal. And it, it, it was Incredible. like, it was like I kicked his dog or like slapped his grandmother <laughs> or something like the, the, the look of just abject horror and deep, deep offense um, has stayed with me to this day, but uh, it does not cause me shame. It just makes me laugh. So. I'm trying, is there anything that someone could say to you that would give the same response i do get really offended when people say that the first act of wally is boring that does like genuinely upset me because like my whole thing is yeah. everyone can have their opinions i totally i'm totally fine with people not liking batman i'm totally fine with people not liking james bond like someone can be like just it's not their thing like that's totally fine i think it's when they say something that is just like objectively untrue that it bothers me like scooby-doo one is better than scooby-doo two no that i'm sorry cameron <laughs> but so, some people love to live in their delusions and I, I love you for it nonetheless um but no it's like yeah if someone tells me that i think that's the one thing that but i'll be like my whole response to that is i just like write someone off rather than like you know go into a a, a fitful rageful defense so yeah you know I me. Mean? i'm not that argumentative i don't care yeah same yeah i think i just don't i just don't care enough 
Um, uh, so, so, so back to the episode. Yeah, back to the episode, right. Okay, so, have, they, so they get they pulled down. the kaiju and, happen. Yes, and they get pulled down into uh, Skitaris because Jennifer Morgan, Travis Morgan's daughter, who's a sorceress, realized they needed help, and so she casts a spell, and they, they pulled them through this hole in the ice. And I guess the original version of Skitaris in the comics is literally at the Earth's core, like at the center of the Earth, and mm-hmm. the, the Earth's core itself is a red sun. I guess one of the pieces of trivia I read from this is that in the DCAU, it's in a pocket dimension. So it's not actually physically at the Earth's core. Yeah. So that, that was a rewrite they did in like the 70s or 80s. Okay. Where, yeah, it's a pocket dimension with a red sun. Yeah. Um, but also it is a, it's supposed to be a piece of Atlantis. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so, okay. so yeah, when the Great Flood happened, it kind of broke Atlantis in two halves. Mm-hmm. And half of it stayed at the bottom of the earth, like on the bottom of the seabed, and the other half sunk to the center of the earth. Okay. And so that's what Skitaris is. Uh, and so that's okay. why you have like these mutations that happened. Just like there's kind of like some fish people we see in Atlantis, there's the lizard people we see here. Okay. I guess that, I mean, I was about to say that this, that makes sense. It doesn't really make sense, but it's, but it's <laughs> no, like, it doesn't. But I, I think the idea of making a pocket dimension is smart because I always find it really stupid whenever the plot of something hinges around like you know the earth's core being not what we expected to totally not referring to a major movie that came out in the last month at all on that i'm not gonna say which one because i don't want to spoil anything for people but if okay. you've seen it you know what i'm talking about it, it took me a minute to remember yeah exactly we talking about. um but like because i always find it funny that there's always somehow a sun whatever they go into the earth's core like i guess in this one it kind of makes sense it's a pocket dimension but i think about um even godzilla versus kong like they go down to like the, mm-hmm. the the subterranean world or whatever, all the kaiju's were born, and there's sunlight. You're like, how? How is that? Right. And even even one of my all time favorite films, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, when they go into the core of the Genesis planet and they see that what happened inside the Genesis cave, there's a sun, and I don't understand how that's true because it's literally subterranean. But we ignore this. Interesting. We ignore this and move on. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there's. <laughs> There's a lot of weird shit happening against guitarists. I literally have a note here that just just says, oh, fuck, lizard people again. Yeah, we found more lizard people. Because the last time we had lizard people, that episode was one of the worst of all time. Yeah, and they when we get down there, they just throw a bunch of names at us. Yes! So we meet Travis Morgan, the warlord of Shambhala. Mm-hmm. We're introduced to Skartaris. We meet Demos, or Demos, or whoever yeah. it is, the villain. They randomly throw in... Uh, Mishiste, who is the king of Cairo. Oh, yeah, who's like helping protect the the Great Stone. Yes. Um, yes, and then when we're down there, we also see that Metallo and Silver Banshee are down there. Yeah, because I guess Green Lantern even makes a comment like, it's weird that this subterranean society would have laser guns. Clearly they're being like funded or sponsored by someone else, and then we realize that the people supporting them are, are Grodd's legion of doom in this case the mm-hmm. particular emissaries being metal and silver banshee which is like i don't know i think part of the reason i didn't care about this was not only was there a bunch of new characters mythology that i had no interest in whatsoever and looked to be honest frankly really stupid but i didn't really feel the stakes in garad's mission at all like what they're, they're just, just there to get a giant piece of kryptonite that's it yeah i guess so I mean, I guess, like, uh, Kara does make a note. When she's down there, because it has a red sun, she is at half strength the whole time. Yeah. 
And there are some fun beats that I like in the background when like they're having exposition in the foreground. Mm -hmm. You see in the background oh. car just trying to lift rift uh lift random things. Yes, that part's fun. Which is very fun. Yeah. Um but, but yeah, she mentioned like with that size kryptonite, if she was at full strength, that would have killed yeah. her. Yeah. Just that that second of exposure. Yeah, just being there. And I guess like I can see how having having a massive chunk of kryptonite could be useful. I mean, if you want to build a bunch of kryptonite weapons, but as we've seen in the DCAU, kryptonite basically does one of two things. It, well, okay. Three things. It kills Superman. It powers Metallo, mm -hmm. which is still a little bit unclear as to how that does that. And then it gives Lex with her cancer. So, yes, so yes. I feel like, I mean, I suppose, yes, a Legion of Doom could, do a lot with all three of those options but it feels like the payoff of having a massive piece of kryptonite isn't necessarily worth the hassle of sending two people some down somehow to a pocket dimension adjacent to the earth's core to start a massive revolution to overthrow the existing structure to then go in and take a big piece of kryptonite yeah and why they just couldn't do it themselves yeah and that's exactly it yeah like they those two have way more power than pretty much everyone else down there anyways. Yeah. And they make a point that to talk like Demos is the strongest sorcerer down there, but then we find out that he's also just using technology. Yeah. So. So what? Yeah. Why? I mean, it just, it all felt a little bit silly and you're right. Like I, I do kind of like the stuff of super losing your powers, but also this episode made me like both Supergirl and Stargirl less. Yeah, so let's talk about the B-plot yeah. while all this is going on. Is when they're fighting the kaiju, Stargirl kind of jumps ahead of John and Stripes to get the final blow and kind of get the glory for herself for defeating the monster. Yeah. But before she can do that, Supergirl sweeps in and knocks him out instead. Mm -hmm. And from that point, Stargirl is holding this grudge against Supergirl. I guess because she thinks Supergirl has it so easy because her because her cousin is is Clark. Yeah. Is Superman. And, but we never get any more tension or resolve from either aspect of that of that relationship. Because it's very one-sided. Like in no point do we see Supergirl is angry at Stargirl for any reason. Yeah nor is she trying to befriend her it's like she's it they're like from supergirl's perspective they're fully just work acquaintances and, and that's exactly it and you know because we're seeing things through star girl's eyes supergirl does kind of come off like this sort of bitchy aloof popular girl a little bit they're like because we're seeing it from star girl she comes off a little like regina george you know she's nowhere near as like terrible yeah but you know like we can kind of see sargo's point a little bit like i don't know if supergirl is deliberately trying to glory hog but she gets all the attention because she's supergirl and then yeah but that also makes stargirl it, seem really really petty and immature right and, and they also kind of boost that that comparison because in japan at the time of saving the kaiju, they're having a Supergirl <laughs> convention going on, which well, is so adorable. I love that. I love the line from the little girl when Star like, uh, Stargirl says, hey, but like my stepdad is a Mecca. And she's like, oh, Mecca's so last year. Yeah. It's really cute. 
which it's the getting getting nerdy for a second mm-hmm. in the anime world while this episode was going on like that was kind of true was in the in the 2000s mechs kind of just disappeared yeah uh kind of after evangelion ended that that whole era just like vanished for probably a decade until gundam came back in the late 2000s oh, okay then it came back around again so a little fun mm-hmm. fun meta thing happening there um <clears throat> but yeah so basically they're trying to get this the great snow which we discovered is this massive chunk of kryptonite um my next note is literally just what the fuck is this <laughs> i liked the fight sequences i they were uh, they were fine again i just i didn't care i had no yeah, investment in yeah because they i think there were too many people yeah i think it should have just been something should have happened when they were flying the javelin i mean even like make it a competition between the girls like make it make them be more heated with each other where like gl is flying the javelin with stripe inside and you know stripe says something to to star girl and she's like you know what i don't need this i'm just gonna fly on my own yeah and then Supergirl says you know something along the side well you know if, if she's gonna fly i'm gonna fly too and the two of them leave the javelin because you know they can both fly yeah the, the two of them all four of them can fly there's no reason for the javelin to be there but you know we'll let that yeah. go um the two of them go out of the ship uh and then as they both speed off kind of racing each other back that's when they get pulled into the dimension and so then it's the story of the two of them having to work together yeah i think that would have been more compelling it also just feels weird because gl doesn't do anything in this episode (laughs) no not really i mean other than he has been a an additional mentor figure for kara in the past and like in initiation but other than that yeah like there's really no reason for him to be there and what I find so interesting is that they've now expanded out the world to really include this, you know, robust rogues gallery. And, 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 you know, I think it is worth acknowledging that if there is one thing that DC has over Marvel, it's that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think Marvel has a lot of like really standout villains, but DC does just have this like deep, deep bench of fantastic villains. And I think part of the reason that those villains are so great is that those villains often have Marvel hero style origins. Like the villains are rarely gods outside of literally like dark side of the new gods. But a lot of them are like normal people that things have happened to, to make them exceptional in some capacity and they're deeply flawed. And so their villains are often really compelling. It's like the one reason why you can kind of see why they keep trying to make the suicide squad work. So mm-hmm. they have this deep, deep bench of fantastic villains. And I think it's so odd that three episodes into this series that's really built around the Legion of Doom, they sideline the vast majority of those characters to introduce a bunch of people that we don't care about that we'll never see again. It's just an odd choice. Is this our first time seeing Silver Banshee? Um, I think so. She, if she, we have seen her, it's been relatively minor kind of in the background. Okay. Um, but you know, I I like Silver Banshee. I think she's a cool character. She's got a cool look. She's got a cool power set. I mean, she mm-hmm. shrieks. I don't know how that makes people like wither up. Um, yeah, the first time we saw her was just cameo appearance in I Am Legion. So it's it's this season's our first real um, appearance of her. Got it. But yeah, it's like why you know you know it's cool to see her. It's cool to see Metallo again. You know, always love Malcolm McDowell chewing up some scenery as Metallo. But. Uh, Weird choices. Just weird choice to do everything in this episode. Yeah, the Metallo stuff. So so basically, Kara is fighting Metallo, and she unhooks 
the kryptonite battery that's charging yeah. him, which causes his body to freeze up. Yeah. He can't he can't move without the battery. And then I thought he was gonna die, but then <laughs> GL comes in with the the great line of exposition saying, "You have enough reserve battery for like five minutes." Yeah, I'm like okay, you know they've moved his body from the bridge to some cave. I don't know how long that took. That could have been his five minutes. Could have been his five minutes. Yeah, and then they um, uh, they try and take. They try and interrogate him. They try and interrogate him, and he's about to say something, and his his brain fries. So, mm-hmm. and they they still carry his his brain fried body out of there. And this is, in fact, I'm pretty sure the last time we see Metallo. So that's kind of his final fate. What I did find interesting, and maybe I missed this because I wasn't paying immediately super close attention when I watched this. Um, do they leave Silver Banshee? It's Guitaris. I think so. Because I don't remember she's not with them when they escape, and then when they seal up the mm-hmm. portal, we never see her like leave or flee in a way to indicate that she made it out of there. Now. She does, I think, continue to appear in other episodes. I think this might be the only time she speaks. Um, let me just double check this here. But okay, yeah. So she she's in three more episodes, just as like kind of cameos. So she's still around, but I just was wondering what happened to her. Where'd she go? Yeah, I mean it's it's not there. They're they're off duty now. I guess so. They don't care. That's not our problem. We'll just we'll just leave her here. Uh, but yeah, like the only thing that happens in here of any real consequence is one we see that. Supergirl has a new costume, but we'll just see that at some point else anyways. And then it sets up the idea that Grodd has engineered it so that his villains can't turn on him, um, yes. which is alluded to in our next episode. But you don't really need this episode to know that a pattern is developing in the next episode. I'm basically yeah, putting up to your short so. list and saying this ain't going to be on it. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I love to make these comparisons. Mm-hmm. And after last season, you know, I said I, I, I gave I gave you the title. I said the Cadmus arc is the greatest arc in animated superhero television. OK. Um, but I want to go back to Teen Titans for a minute. <laughs> for those of you playing Tim Talk Bingo, check out <clears throat> that square now. Yes, uh, I am going to have my five minute uh, Titan Talk podium to talk about this version of 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 an episode that happened in in titans okay. it happened twice which i think is interesting mm-hmm. uh there's two characters in the comics um named cole and gnark uh and they live at the center of the earth in the titans universe okay. gnark is a caveman and cole is this girl who kind of i don't want to say babysits him but you know they're, they're friends mm-hmm. uh she's a teen girl and she can turn herself into some substance that's like harder than diamond uh and basically how they fight is she puts her hands up and she turns herself into this diamond and uh Gnark uses her as like a bat and just beats people with her body okay <laughs> it's it's a great team okay up. sure um their episode is fine it's better than this one but it's a fun story learning about them and it's just two people so i think it's easier to digest mm-hmm. But the one I want to talk about more is one that I don't really hear anyone ever talk about. And after watching this episode, I just had huge flashbacks to this. But it, it's it's, uh, it's an episode called Cyborg the Barbarian. Uh, and Cyborg, you know, very tech-focused character. He is brought back in time to fight in this kind of prehistoric war that's going on. And they just need a champion to fight with them. Um, 
and the story is kind of the the conversation of like do you need tech to be, you know does cyborg need tech to be a hero um where he's helping um this village who's being attacked by monsters you find out the monsters are being summoned by a witch the witch kind of kills cyborg's battery and it's him having to fight without his strength basically oh, this sounds vaguely familiar is he still a hero yeah it's a beautiful story mainly because it's just focused around the one character mm-hmm. um but yeah the two of those the, those two episodes do this story so much better and i think it is just like you you need to focus on the people we already know right and and that's what this episode kind of just fully dropped well, off and i think on top of that one advantage that Teen Titans has over the DCAU is its greater variety of tone, right? Like, at the end of the day, the DCAU is still a fairly grounded universe. I mean, it's one of aliens and technology and magic and superheroes, but it's rarely ever, like, silly or meta or deliberately weird. I mean, I think... Mixie's pixelated being kind of the one exception but even that works because that's how that character is in particular yeah whereas like teen titans would often let itself be like a little more meta a little more weird a little more out there in its tone so if you're gonna throw in an episode like this random witch character it kind of makes sense a little bit more there than it does to just introduce like this entirely weird pocket universe here mm-hmm. so I, I do. I think I remember seeing that episode. I got to go back and I, mean, I got to go back and watch Titans again at some point, no matter what. Um, but yeah, that's that's a fair comparison. I can see where that version would be a lot better than this, because there's also a neural, neural payoff, as you put it, for this as well. It's just like Supergirl yeah, and Stargirl. And the bigger. payoff for that episode is, yeah, the payoff for that episode. It's for me, it's it's like weirdly emotional. No, I get it. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds emotional mm-hmm. the way you're describing it. You know, it's like, uh, you know, even even heroes have their doubts sometimes about whether they're truly heroes or not in particular cyborg because you know how much of that is really him so yeah yeah that makes a lot which of which is a whole other episode of team exactly Titans. yeah so that's a whole thing but yeah here it just it really doesn't work now it's interesting i i thought the one thing you were going to pick up on was uh this episode really really embraces your favorite thing about the dcau which is killing any non-human non-sentient creatures because <laughs> so many dinosaurs like just just flat out dinosaurs like people riding around on like on, on a t-rex the t-rex just gets like shot and killed like dinosaurs yeah. dino people like big sandworms and stuff all of these things are just getting slaughtered left and right like no one cares yeah there's a moment where stripes like he it it looks like they cut the animation early but he grabs a pterodactyl by its two wings and is about to like wwe slam it into the ground yeah um and then there's also a moment where uh, it's very quick. I had to rewind just to make sure my eyes were playing tricks on me, where John makes a giant pterodactyl construct to eat two of the other pterodactyls. See, every once in a while, every once in a while, he busts out those <laughs> those constructs. He also const- like it's it's not a full sword, but it's he definitely makes a, a beam that turns into a sword yeah. that he keeps at the end of his ring because you know he's he's loving this he is yeah it i i i I found that all super off-putting when they were just like killing all these animals left and right i'm like it's not their fault they're you know they've (laughs) just been like captured and and forced to be used as cannon fodder and what i found so interesting was that they were doing that here when you know in the end of 
um, the once in future thing. So, I mean, you know, talking about season one of Justice Unlimited, there was that moment when the the cowboys, like the, the outlaws, are riding around on pterodactyls, and you and I both assumed that they were pulled from the past, which makes sense because it's Kronos, mm-hmm. a, a guy with the ability to travel through time. But then we see that they're robots. And I think you and I both assumed that, that was a way for them to justify killing the pterodactyls. And it's weird because now it's right. only two seasons later, they're just doing it. I Because you never see them, like, actually harmed. They all just kind of fall. I mean, look, there, there's a T-Rex that you see get shot multiple times with a laser and then, like, keel over and die. It, it fall. Doesn't die. Mm. I, I didn't, I didn't. And with the robot pterodactyls, they like fully ripped things. They ripped off. things off. I'm, I'm just saying, I did not hear any Andrea moans from any of the dinosaurs in this episode, and I find that deeply troubling. Okay. So. Uh, I forgot. There is one other. Um, there is one other aspect of this episode that I love, mm-hmm. and I dare anyone to find a moment of this trope that is not always cool. It's when Stripe shoots his two rocket hands off to punch people. Rocket hands, in my opinion, are a trope that will never not be cool. You know what? I I have to admit, I cannot think of many uses of rocket hands off the top of my head. That being said, I also can't think of any that I hated. (laughs) So I feel like I I feel like maybe that happened at some point in my life as a teenage robot. I feel like that sounds familiar. Maybe yeah, she, she does it. It's like a big Power Rangers trope. Uh, yeah. in Dexter's lab when he makes his little mech, his his like backpack mech yeah. that can shoot its hands. I know I don't think Bender ever sh- fires his hands, but I do think of the pilot episode of Futurama when Bender's arms fall off and then on a close up we see like one arm pick up the other and click it in place and then that arm pick up the other and put it back in place. And even Fry goes, yeah. Wait, how did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> So then it comes to mind. But you know what, Cameron? I will concede. You're right. Rocket hands are always cool. They're always cool. <laughs> Tim Talk hot takes. Rocket hands are always cool. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, was there... Yeah. I, I wish Stripe had more to do. Like, yeah. he, he's like a half parental figure in this episode. You know, he's 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 her dad. And they, they bring yeah. up twice that, you know... It's it's a unique perspective having being a superhero and also having a superhuman parent yeah. or a superhero parent. Yeah. But he's he doesn't do anything. He doesn't say anything. He, and, and again, that, that ultimately is my big problem with this episode is that you have interesting characters in here. You know, we, we got a good amount of Supergirl in the last few seasons, but she's always great to have on there. We don't get a lot of Stargirl and Stripe. Silver Banshee Metallo are interesting characters. One of them is pretty much entirely new to the universe. And they all feel completely underutilized in favor of a bunch of supporting characters that we've never seen before. We'll never see again and have no investment in whatsoever. Yeah. And I just don't, I don't know what, I don't know what this was. I don't know who it was for. I don't know why they made it. Um, But, you know, we talked a lot at the end of last season about how the end of the Cadmus arc and epilogue are maybe potentially the better way to end this series. And at least the, Four episodes we've seen so far, including the one we're about to cover. Um, definitely support that idea. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, let, let's let's get in the next episode. Okay, yeah. So next up we have to another shore. And in this one, Wonder Woman asks John, who's become reclusive in his post as Watchtower Mission Supervisor, to join her at a climate summit, but he refuses. 
But when Grodd sends Giganta, Heatwave, Killer Frost, and Devil Ray to obtain the corpse of an invulnerable Viking prince from a frozen ship adjacent to the summit, Jean is forced to end his exile to help Wonder Woman and Green Arrow and King Faraday. So... Yes, you sounded a little like you had questions in this, you know, just, in your brief. Just the, uh... This seemed pretty straightforward to me. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a very straightforward plot. Look, I will say this. My very first note, my very first thought, as soon as this episode opened, because it opens up, and it's, some, it's like clearly somewhere like, uh, like Norway or Switzerland or something like that, like somewhere out in like kind of the, um, like the northern eastern part of, of Europe where it's, it's cold. Because we see like a... Um, like a, a ski resort, like a ski chalet. My very first thought was Piz Gloria, the ski resort slash evil lair of Blofeld and on her Majesty's Secret Service. It made me realize that uh, we, James and I missed another James Bond reference in the DCAU. We did our video. How dare you? <laughs> How dare us? We have failed. Failed as Oh, I'm James not blaming Bond. him. There's no we in this. You have failed. <laughs> Well, also the internet failed because I, I did my research. I did my due diligence trying to find things that I had missed up to this point. You know, and to be fair, we hadn't watched this episode yet, so it wasn't fresh in my mind. Um, and maybe it's just me. Maybe I did that mental leap of like, oh, it's Piss Gloria. But given that we know from many, many sources that that was a favorite film amongst the creatives, I think we can say it's, you know, it's probably supposed to be Piss Gloria. But um, underneath Piss Gloria out on an, an iceberg, this hotel is built on top of an iceberg, seemingly. Yep. I see no um, problems. No problems whatsoever. Uh, like, there's an earthquake, and a Viking, a frozen Viking boat is revealed. And, of course, we eventually come to realize that on this boat is the, the famous Viking prince, John. Are we talking about this? Yeah, Prince yeah, John. Prince John, yeah. Yes, not, not the, uh, the not tiger, lion, in the Robin Hood one. Yes, Prince John, the, the lion. Yes, Prince John, the worst. Uh, yes. Not him. Sucking his thumb. It's okay. <laughs> Mommy. <laughs> I love that movie so much. Um, and I'm not ashamed of saying that the Fox Robin Hood is hot. He just is. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. He just is. Right? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Whatever you need to get by, Chris. <laughs> Clearly, that's what I should have talked about with my therapist this morning. <laughs> with my sexual attraction to an animated fox. No, I'm sure they've had enough of people talk about that. <laughs> There's probably a whole a whole class when you're studying to become a therapist how to talk to people about their sexual attraction to animated animals. Yes. Now, class, repeat after me. Robin Hood is not real. Okay. <laughs> Lola Bunny is not real. No. Oh, my God. Oh, Lola Bunny. Um. But yeah, so they, they've uncovered this. And then, okay, so you said you, you did a little bit of research, or you attempted to do a little bit of research into the Viking prince. What's the deal there? I mean, they kind of just spilled it all out there. Like, that, that is his whole backstory. Okay. Is, is he was a, an amazing fighter, and if Valkyrie came down, I thought it was, like, it was almost like a Valkyrie of death coming down to, to bring him to Valhalla. But I guess he was just such an extraordinary warrior. He was going to be brought while still alive, mm -hmm. which is against Odin's rules. You know, Valhalla is, is meant for the the souls because uh, it is what will protect um, Asgard when when the great war of the Nine Realms happens. 
Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you didn't know about that Valhalla, uh, I did not know that about Valhalla. So there's the the life tree, which mm-hmm. we all know is the center of the universe. Yes, obviously. Um, it, down in Niflheim, which is their version of hell, mm-hmm. there are these two dragons that are constantly biting at the base of the tree. And at some point in time, the dragons will bite enough to where the tree will collapse and all the nine realms will collapse on top of each other. And this great war is going to happen. And so to prepare himself, uh, Odin created Valhalla to kind of keep his army well read and fed. Well read and fed. fed. Yep. Yep. Uh, In preparation for this this kind of imminent war that, that will happen. Wait, so are uh, are you are you telling me that mm-hmm. the the Nordic version of of heaven essentially of Valhalla yeah. is filled with really really burly Norse warriors who just read books and eat all day long? I mean, they don't read; they they fight and they. You eat. said well read. I, I meant fed and fed and rested were the words I was trying to say. Trying to get okay. Out. Well, I, I mean. Uh, okay, because I was going to say you you just described my idea of heaven, <laughs> but I mean, I guess I, I guess even without the, the the reading part, I think I think I'm still down. Yeah. Oh, and also like the other <clears throat> excuse me, the other side of it is he's basically depriving Niflheim of these warriors. Oh, okay. He's keeping them for himself. Hmm. How do I get there? How do I get to Valhalla? Oh, uh, you have to die in battle. Unfortunately. Does does the battle of nerddom over a podcast count <laughs> you can play Wait, a very on. competitive game of risk if you want hang on if you kill me in another round of scooby-doo bait will that count no damn it okay i'm uh, i'm gonna find a way there yeah good <laughs> luck uh so uh prince john he, he kind of had this relationship with the valkyrie the valkyrie is going to bring him up to Valhalla. Odin didn't like this, and so Odin cast a curse on John, uh, sending him back to Earth, because, you know, no mortal is allowed in Asgard. Right. Um, and his curse was he was invulnerable to anything metal, fire, water, or wood. Mm-hmm. Basically meaning anything they could get their hands on couldn't kill him uh, right. in battle. So he, mm-hmm. he could never actually make it to Valhalla. Uh, but so he sad. wasn't immortal, like I also had wrong. So he could still die of natural causes, but that just wouldn't bring him bring him up. He'd go down to Niflheim. Okay, yeah, because I, I, I was thrown by that a little bit, because the, the episode sort of implies that he's immortal. And it's weird, too, because when we eventually do see his body, he looks young. But I guess the whole point is, like, because I, I think he, but he did live forever, though, didn't he? No, he did oh, he die. Didn't, okay. Okay, so again, like, it, the the story makes it seem like that he lived forever and just, like, for ages and ages and ages and couldn't die, and so he just chose, like, you know, freeze himself to end the pain. Yeah, yeah, so he, he like, fought in all these wars trying to find someone to best him. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he couldn't, he left for the New World. You know, they, they kind of make him a Leif Erikson kind of figure. Okay. Um, who left for the New World and just kind of died in, in route. Well, they, they, they cut the scene out, but... Uh... Originally, he was lying face down, and they had to flip him over, so they had to turn over a new leaf. Good, good. Are you, are you proud of yourself? I, that was good. Yeah. I, I will say that was, that was pretty good. <laughs> I, I actually am pretty proud of myself on that, that one. That was, I like that. Um, 
But okay, so I guess I guess that all kind of makes sense of sort. And 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 Groden knows of this story and wants the corpse. They can try and figure out what the secret was of his. I guess not immortality, but invulnerability. And and the one thing I'll say is kind of cool that this episode does, which is actually I think unique to this episode. I don't recall them doing anything like this anywhere else in the DCAU. But as he's telling this this story, the visuals that accompany it are like a, a montage of stills that are drawn in the style of the original comics i guess they were drawn in the style of um uh joe kubert and his work on a lot of the old brave and the bold comics and i guess pretty much every panel we see is um pulled from a specific comic of brave and the bold comics i think it's it's a cool sequence i will say this yeah it's very pretty yeah it really is and it again it, it still feels you know, loosely in the the Bruce Tim style, which you know, I, I think there are times when the Bruce Tim style kind of looks like um, Joe Kubert's work or even um, Jack Kirby's work a little bit. So it does work. Like that that part's pretty. It's just the the plot itself is a little odd. Yes, um, yeah. So we had a conversation a few weeks ago about John always staying on the Watchtower. Mm-hmm. And we said it was because post, um, post Starcrossed, he was kind of giving distance to humans from uh, aliens because there's still kind of this cold shoulder, understandably, yeah. the humans have. But in this episode, we realize it's not because he is trying to like help the humans cope. He just doesn't like humans. I get it. Yeah, yeah, and he's not wrong. I don't blame him. He's he's 16 years ahead of the curve. This whole episode is 16 years ahead of the curve. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean they're they're at a they're at a conference debating global warming, and this was in 2005. And every superpower not thinking it's real. Yeah. Exactly. All of them like, nah, no, it can't be he's real. Like, I don't know what like, you're talking about. I like the thing is, like that conversation goes way far back. I just rewatched Batman Returns because again we're we're closing on Christmas, and Batman Returns is a Christmas movie. Um, and the penguin even makes a joke. It's like, you know, he needs a platform to run for the mayor. And he says, stop global warming, start global cooling. This was 92. That's good. It was 30 years ago. They had yeah. to figure it out. I mean, it was Al Gore primetime. Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah. 92 would have been uh, Clinton would have been just elected. So mm -hmm. or about to be elected, I guess. Was it early 92. But yeah. Oh, Al Gore. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was ridiculous. So, like, there are this this thing, but I mean, the the arc for Wonder Woman here is kind of cool because basically, now that she's repaired her relationship with um with Hippolyta with Emiskira, her mom has appointed her as an emissary essentially of Themyscira. So she's representing Themyscira at this 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 climate summit and basically being like, hey, like, you know, if the climate continues to worsen and it continues to have a negative effect on Themyscira, like as she puts it her mom is more like less likely to just like pull out of the summit and more likely to just like invade and fix things on her own yeah and which, the room is is silent at this yeah but, but which, I, who could stop them uh, no one and uh, like look honestly honestly if one day all of a sudden like the west coast is being invaded by like themiscarin so like we're tired of your bullshit we're gonna fix things i'm like go go right ahead yeah yeah absolutely I'll go right ahead I'll turn off my lights right now. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I know you want nothing to do with men. That's fine. I've got them covered. You go take care of everything. Else. Yeah. That's yeah. I'll turn my, I'll turn my heater. Off. You know, I'll just turn it off. I'll turn my air conditioning off. That's yeah. my bad. Yeah. Well, it's like, I, I, yeah, I see this all over the, all over the place. And this is totally a tangent here, but like, 
one of the 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 greatest like marketing ploys ever created was basically like massive corporations and especially like energy companies convincing us that we're ruining the climate by like running an air conditioning unit or you know like not sorting our recycling when that's a, a sliver of the impact of say like agricultural farming and yeah i think that's it's like everything percent yeah it's like it's like nothing like don't get me wrong you can still do little things here and there but it's like you know what's gonna make a bigger difference like not eating meat is gonna have a much bigger impact than like running an air conditioning every once in a while or like driving a car yeah brilliant anywho um, but I, I love they're at the summit um, and she's trying to do her best but she's kind of like fumbling way through it and then of course the, the Legion of Doom attacks and we get the twirl we get the classic Linda the Carter spin. Wonder Woman twirl and then like you know it's like she just starts spinning around in circles like there's a thunderclap and then all of a sudden she's in the Wonder Woman look it's dumb and I love it same I yeah it's incredible again it's like this season the writers the producers are just going you know what let's just do whatever we want let's just go to what like pull every random thing we possibly can pull in every villain pull in every reference let's just go full tilt balls the walls and mostly i have found that it does not work but it definitely worked <laughs> with the wonder woman twirl so um uh, oh there there's uh sorry there's one more aspect of the summit that i want to talk about really fast mm-hmm. because it also goes into something i learned just before this call okay. is the atlantis embargo Oh, uh, yes. So while they're having this conversation, while uh, Wonder Woman is trying to convince people that global warming is real, she gives off a single line of like, this is why the Atlanteans already dropped out. Mm-hmm. It's because, you know, in our first introduction of Aquaman uh, is him complaining about the pollution, in the, the, pollution yeah. in the ocean. Yeah, exactly. Again, understandable. Yeah. And so that it was the, the global warming conversation that like pushed them over the edge just to leave the summit fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, you're right because that that throwaway line because apparently this episode was originally built around Aquaman, mm-hmm. um, but because at the time, uh, our boy Alan Richson had just appeared on Smallville as Aquaman, and that was popular enough that it made them want to do a spinoff show not starring him, no, but starring Green Arrow. Yeah, starring future Smallville Green Arrow Justin Hartley. Uh, this series that was originally called Mercy Reef, but then and ultimately just became. Uh, Aquaman, the pilot of which I have seen, and I th- as have I. I think it might be on HBO Max. I'm not sure. I think it oh, was on. I think you're right. I think at least because I, I I bought it on iTunes many years ago and watched it, and it's it's honestly fine. Like it's not it's not great, but I think if you were to go back and watch the Smallville pilot, it's probably also not spectacular. Yeah, it's, um, it's on par with the Smallville episode. Yeah, I, I thought it was fun. I thought Justin Hartley was good. Um, you know, we've talked about this before, but poor uh, poor Adrienne Palicki and her her pilot curse of not having <laughs> that picked up, not having Wonder Woman picked up, not having Mockingjay picked up, um, which is a shame because I adore, I adore her. I think she's fantastic. Um, she's in that. But I mean, it's, it's a fine episode, but basically DC had potential plans with Aquaman in other places. So he was under a similar sort of embargo as Batman. And I think that's why, like, yeah, exactly. He doesn't appear here. Um, Atlantis doesn't appear here. Actually, I don't, I'm not sure if Aquaman appears again in the series, maybe in the finale. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, I didn't know about that either, but it, it kind of makes sense. Kind of. Yeah. And also the vil- the villain of this episode, or the kind of central villain we see is um, not Black Manta. Right. It's it's Devil Ray, who yes. looks just like black manta and has a submarine that looks just like black mantas and has all the looks and equipment of black manta 
And you feel like maybe they didn't want to redesign it, so they just said, oh, it's Devil Ray instead, and he's had an upgrade recently. I do not know what Devil Ray looks like in the comics. Not the Tampa Devil Rays. <laughs> Actually, it's funny, because I'm looking at Devil Ray. Everything here basically just makes him look like Black Manta. I don't know if Devil Ray is a comic character. Yeah, I, I think they might have just renamed him. I think they did, yeah. I think they literally just changed the name to make it all okay, because it's otherwise he's just Black Manta. Mm-hmm. um yeah i mean it's it's kind of an odd choice and I, and i guess there was a similar but not quite as impactful wonder woman embargo because at the time would have been around when joss whedon was working on his version of wonder woman and so i think they were like ah eh, we'll just like pull back on wonder woman a little bit here and there obviously they can't get rid of batman or wonder woman in the series but i think maybe it's part of the reason that they're um the rest of their universe isn't super prominent in the dcau at this point so yeah it's 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 devil ray not black manta yeah, um, yeah so the, so the the wikipedia article says yeah it's literally just a name change okay yeah uh, according to mcduffie they changed the name because of the aquaman rights not available at the time okay uh, makes sense otherwise yeah. it's there um but king faraday is also there as like protection for the vice president um and i love it because when the attack happens he and his agent swoop in on like looks like firefly wings basically like fire like the the villain firefly like they're yeah. flying around on like these these little wings like firing laser guns at the <laughs> the the legion of doom and then you know one woman gets hit with one of um devil ray slash black manta's poison tridents and it, it actually like seriously hurts her like she's she's out she's kind of like knocked out in a way that she almost never is so she calls in for help and she says like jean it has to be you because earlier she raises a point that we've raised before too which is John Jones, the Martian Manhunter, as he's named once in the entire universe, mm-hmm. is a nearly invulnerable, shape-shifting, super-strong telepath. He is, I would say, what, on par with Superman and maybe Green Lantern as some of the most powerful League members, especially yeah, in this original Yeah, he's top five for sure. Yeah, and he's just chosen to hide out in the Watchtower when he could be down there, like, kicking ass, and sure enough, he shows up, and he does, but... Yeah, like it really is a, a, a terribly underutilized person. But so he shows up and brings Green Arrow in tow to help with it. Um, and I will say Green Arrow does get some fun moments in this Green episode. Green Arrow is so much fun in this episode. He he gets frozen by uh, Killer Frost and then he he cuts through with a buzzsaw. And he's, he's, he has a line a about how... Arrow. A buzzsaw arrow. And he has a line about how Black and Arrow thought a buzzsaw arrow was too self-indulgent. <laughs> which is fantastic. Um, and then I love it too, because then when he he um, like basically fires a zipline onto Devil Ray's submarine, as he's swooping in, he's like singing his own theme song as he kicks a guy off the side of the sub. Which it's is so just, much fun. Which is just delightful. And then I also love the moment too when um, one of uh, Devil Ray's henchmen is on top of the the submarine like conning tower shooting down on him. And so Arrow launches uh, an arrow that's powerful enough to knock the guy off the side, but also has a built-in grapple. So he basically just uses the fallen guy as leverage to pull him up. Just like, that's a cool move. That's good. It's a really they, cool they move. They really right know now. how to have fun with Green Arrow. They do. And like, all the way through, he's like, you know, he's 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 quipping, he's punching guys, he's just, you know, have, having an absolute blast. I mean, they we basically let him that. just be 1960s Batman. I, yeah but like but like like he knows he's like he knows he's that corny right I, I think that's the difference is batman was like batman's never intentionally funny he's just campy 
Yeah. Whereas um, yeah, Green Arrow is like deliberately just having a good time with all of it, which is pretty fucking fantastic. Um, but even when John shows up on top of him, you know, just literally like going around kicking ass, uh, as an avalanche is about to bury the summit, he forces Killer Frost to save them all basically by using her powers to to stop the avalanche, which is kind of a good moment. You know, he's basically like, I, you know, if the avalanche hits, I'm not going anywhere, and neither are you. So. Uh, you better just do it. Yeah, it's probably in your best interest. Yeah, you should probably just save us all. So. But, you know, at the very end, they have... Uh, oh, Jean tries to read Giganta's mind and is unable to. And that's when they start to realize, like, oh, like, Grodd sent them. I think... Does he realize Grodd sent them? Um, I don't maybe think not so. That Grodd, maybe not that Grodd sent them, but they, they now realize that this is a coordinated thing, that someone did send them for the body... And yes. as we referenced in Chaos Theory's core, just like when Metallo was stopped from saying anything, they couldn't get in Gigantus' minds. Now, they're like, a conspiracy is unfolding. A mystery is unfolding in front of them. And they're like, what is happening here? Yeah. So. Um, what, what I think is interesting is at the top, and we see it in the first two episodes, um, we hear that the reason Grodd is doing this and the reason he's charging so much, again, he's charging 50%, which is absurd. 25. 25. Is it a 25? Okay, sorry, 25%, which is still yeah. absurd. So absurd. That he's doing it for their protection. Yeah. And in the first two episodes, we see any time a villain kind of, even if they don't fulfill the plan, they always get out. Yes. And in this episode, you know, the episode prior, we see Metallo captured. We don't know what happens to Silver Banshee. And in this episode... We don't really see what happens to any of them either, but we mm. they're all defeated. Right. Which I feel like, and they also make a point in this episode, which I thought was interesting, and I wish we would have gotten more on, is that Lex, in the downtime, Lex has been upgrading all these villains to be kind of stronger, you know, better tech and better powers. Yeah. And so I wish we would have seen something about that, you know, as Arrow's about to, you know, do something on the submarine, blow up the submarine, do something something comes through to stop him and oh, then I helps see. man to get away or sorry devil ray get away right i see you're something saying happens like, giganta that yeah grod pitches this whole thing as a a protective co-op if the league shows up we'll be there to protect you and so far two of the times that the league has showed up people still get captured yeah so what are they paying for exactly what is this 25 percent for yeah and and Killer Frost makes an allusion to like, what do you have planned? He's like, oh, in due time, I'll let you know. But he has he yeah. has some sort of scheme he's working on that we're not privy to yet. But yeah, it's a good point. What are people paying for, honestly, at this point? Yeah, or even like, since they made this such a big deal, like have them win one of these. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe they get the boat out that, you know, she saves the avalanche, she stops it, they get the boat out and they realize that like, while all that was going on, someone like dug through the other side mm-hmm. and stole like stole the body from the hull, like <laughs> digging through the backside of the iceberg. But they, they couldn't get the whole body, so it's like took a hand. Yeah, that's all you need. Took a piece. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you are right, though. It, it's a little bit unclear, like what they're getting out of it if it's not really paying off there. Um, yeah, and also they you, like you would expect Grodd. You know, you know he has contingency plans everywhere yeah but he's a he's a character that always gets his way it's true and so it would make sense if like while you know while all this is going on someone else steals the kryptonite in the other episode while this is happening 
Yeah. Or it's, you know, someone else steals the body. Or or even if there's there's a final button there at the end where like like to your point, if like the mission mostly goes awry, but like some piece of it works. And even if it's just a conversation with him and Lex, of Lex basically calling him out and like, hey, like you said you were here to like protect all of us, but they're still getting captured, they're still getting defeated. Um, you know, this is a failure. He's like, Oh no, no, it only looks like a failure. But you know, like Thing, things like, are no, still it, going it looked like you failed it looked like you failed yeah but like if there's just a moment where Garad's like no, no no it's it's what needed to happen still happened and it's fine and you know and it's like and you know i will let you know in time lex what is going on here but like you know just just know you're the only person that's like smart enough here to that i wouldn't try and double something i don't know some some sort of thing like i wouldn't double cross you something just to make it seem like it's still him getting what he wants yeah but i mean you know i, I will say this of these two, this one is a bit more fun for me. Like, if I find the plot a little bit silly, at least I don't find it frustrating the way I did with Chaos of the Earth's Core. And the action sequences are fun. And just in general, this is a really fun episode. Across yeah, and it board. also has a great end beat, which I don't, I don't it think does. we've mentioned yet. Yeah, where, yeah where it has a very, a very, yeah, very nice final beat where Manhunter has decided that he needs to stay on Earth and to find a way to accept humanity um and he doesn't want to basically just fall in the foot sense of uh viking prince john disappearing so as he's leaving the watchtower it's crosscut with a viking funeral in space for yes. prince john as they send his body into the sun um, which made me realize that that is your valhalla moment if you have all those kind of uh impediments where you you know you can't die through metal through yeah. fire through water through wood you become a space pirate Space pirate. You wait for someone to just like you. You get in a fight, a, a, you know, a space sword fight, as many people mm -hmm. do. As you do. someone to to cut the oxygen cord. You're still dying in battle. Still dying in battle. Yeah, that's true. And it's not through one of the elements. Just go, just go burn in the sun. It's truly a lack of element. Yes, it's it's a nice little beat. And Wonder Woman is reading um a poem or something at the at the time it's all going on. So it's. Mm -hmm. It is a nice little kind of cap off to the episode, which again is not is not spectacular, especially given how great the end of season two was. But of the four we've watched so far, I think this is the one that I liked the most. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah, it's you know, it's fine. It's got it's got some good stuff in it. You know, always love seeing Green Arrow. Always love seeing not Black Manta. So, yep. Uh, any other thoughts on this, or shall we move on to some plugs? Uh, let's get some plugs in. All right. Cameron, who do you got to plug this week? What, what you got going on? What do you plug in? I watched Ghostbusters Afterlife the other day. How was it? I, I really liked it. I'll start off by saying I really, really liked it. Okay. I had an experience with this movie I don't think I've had before. Where it's, it's a movie, after watching it, I wish I would have watched it as a kid. Okay. Because it's a movie that, like, watching it now, like, I enjoyed it. I saw the, the holes it had. But it's one of those where if I saw this when I was, like, 8, 9, or 10, it would probably be one of my favorite movies of all time. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And, like, when you watch it, you'll you'll understand. Because you, you haven't seen it yet. I have not. I do want to go see it, though. Because I've heard pretty much universally good things about it. So. Yeah. When you watch it, I think you'll understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um. Because I can't, I, I can't explain 
why I have these feelings. I just do like this is how I I left the fe- left the theater feeling, mm-hmm. and it's it's a. I don't remember the last time we had a good family movie that wasn't you know that wasn't animated like the last sure. live action family movie we had, mm-hmm. and that that's what this was for me. Like um, it's a movie. Did we not go see Fast and the Furious Nine earlier this summer, Cameron? No, sorry. What, uh, is, not a what movie is that franchise? Family, a movie for family. What is that franchise if not a family movie? It's it's a franchise about family, <laughs> not a franchise for family. For our family, yes. For our family, yes. Our Fast and Furious family. Yes. Um, but no, like, I, I generally can't think of the last, like, movie I'd feel okay with, like, my eight-year-old nephew watching with my, you know, 70-year-old stepdad. Mm-hmm. That both would enjoy equally. Okay. Like, the only one that comes to mind is maybe Enola Holmes. Oh, that's a cute one. But, yeah. but, like, you know, I think that's one where, like, both people will enjoy it for separate reasons where this is one where like everyone enjoys it for the same reason. Yeah. No, that's, that's good to hear. Cause yeah, I, I've been seeing positive rumblings or anyone I've talked to seen it, and it, no one is saying it's great, but everyone is saying it's just like really, really, it's just good and really like nice. Yeah. Like I'm definitely going to watch this again. Okay. Yeah. It's on my list. I'm, it's one that I'm going to make time to go and try and see. Um, because it just looks like it it just looks fun it just looks really, really fun yeah if you want um I, I have i've obviously seen the original one a number of times i don't maybe i've seen all of ghostbusters 2 once and i just saw the um the paul feig version once the 2016 one yeah it's not just not good um but yeah no i mean I, you know i also think it's great they brought in jason reitman like son of the original director ivan reitman to do it like that's a you know it makes sense especially if like family and legacy is a big part of the story having that be behind the camera too makes a lot of sense so yeah so so since you always get to play hollywood i'll play hollywood for a minute okay uh um, Cameron, the... i don't play hollywood i live hollywood <laughs> sorry excuse me <laughs> let me cosplay hollywood for a minute uh can we please put that on my my gravestone hey, make that my epitaph <laughs> yeah <laughs> after you're after you're murdered in space exactly but the problem is we'll be buried in the valley that's true so what do you hold true um uh, a friend I go to Disney with, a very uh-huh. good friend of mine. You, you've met her before. Uh, mm-hmm. Her dad was the original cin- cinematographer on. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so she's been very close to Jason. Uh, yeah, Jason. Right, that's his name. Yeah, Jason. Jason Reitman. Um, she's been, she's been very close to Jason for the past couple months, talking about you know the legacy of kind of following through with what their parents made, mm-hmm. and like both of them have memories of being on the set when they were little kids that's and cool. talking about like yeah, hanging with the stars and like what bill murray was like when they were you know four yeah uh, that's and awesome. it's very cool she she watched it the other day and she just just said she was in tears the entire time yeah well that's nice mm-hmm. oh yeah but yeah that that's my plug for now uh i loved it uh what do you have to plug uh i got i got a few plugs actually i, I did a, a a lot of tv watching in the, over the last week here um so i am about seven episodes in on cowboy bebop Ooh. which i guess disclaimer i have not seen the original anime i do not really know anything about it um i just seen the trailers going into this i love john cho um i'd say most famously of uh harold and kumar go to white castle and star trek um mm-hmm. but i've also heard he's really good in searching which i never saw you oh saw searching that. yes i've seen searching i i plug searching every chance i get it's yeah, so I've, heard, I've heard it's great 
and I, I think he's just phenomenal. I think he's super charming and a great actor. Um, he's like the only real recognizable name I'd say in the, in the cast, um, playing the main character, Spike Spiegel. But again, having no context for it outside of what I've been presented with the nut, the live action Netflix adaptation, it is a 1970s noir set in space. Yes. Which is with a killer soundtrack. With it, yeah, with and, and I guess the original composer of the anime came back to the music on this, and it's got a very very jazzy like soundtrack to it. And it's look, I, it's it's very escapist. It's fun and vibrant and lighthearted and just a, a great ride. And apparently, the actual or original anime is a little bit darker and a little bit more. I don't necessarily serious, but like is really kind of leaning into more of the dystopia of all of it, which is kind of lingering in the background, but not necessarily really present on screen all the time in this. But, you know, I will say I've been really enjoying it so far. There's only been like one episode that I'm like, eh, this is my work for me. But otherwise every episode I've, I have a lot of fun. It's, it's a little disposable, I suppose. Um, but it's just got, it's got so much style. Yes. To it. I, I, have, I think I have two questions for you. Going, okay. going into it yeah um, sure i i've only watched the first two episodes mm-hmm. uh, i'm excited to finish it eventually uh question one is the court does the corgi come into play there is a corgi okay good all right good yeah that's all i need to know yes there is a uh, corgi question two since you were notoriously anti-anime <laughs> after watching this show would you ever go and watch the anime that it's based on Yes, I I do want to go watch the anime. I I think it's short. It's only twenty four episodes, right? I, I, and I think maybe my hesitation to jump right in is that I really like this for what it is, and I might want to wait until I know this is done and just appreciate this for what it is, and then go and watch the original. In the same way that I become a very strong. Uh, proponent of watching the movie first then reading the book because i feel like i'm going to get more from doing it in that order i kind of feel the same way about this so i I do genuinely want to go watch the anime now it's just a matter of whether i i start watching it after this season is done just to kind of keep that energy and that style going or Mm -hmm. if i hold off until this is done done and then go and see what the original one is like so that's what i'm not sure on good good i'm excited yeah Yeah. but i mean it's i'd still recommend it it's a lot of fun uh, so I watched that. I watched the first two episodes of Wheel of Time, which is the new Amazon fantasy series adapted from the Robert Jordan series of like 14 some odd novels. Um, yeah. It's fine so far. It's a little generic. Like the trailer made it look a little mm-hmm. bit generic. The world feels a little bit generic. Um, you know, uh, this is weird because I I love, I love Rosamund Pike. I absolutely love her. I think she's an incredible actress. I can't tell if she's good or not in this. There are times when it feels like they have given her all the monologues because the rest of the cast is like kind of CW level, like pretty, but not super talented. Got it. But also when she's doing these monologues, I can't tell if they're actually good or not. She has a terrible wig too, which doesn't help. And look, it's fine. My big complaint on it is that it feels cheap. Which I know it's not, because I know Amazon put a lot of money into this. And the Game of Thrones comparison is inevitable, because it's a, it's a large-scale fantasy series, including Amazon's trying to capture on that and make the new quote-unquote Game of Thrones. The worlds are very, very different. 
And I think what people forget about Game of Thrones is when it first came out, it was pretty small in scale. Like it was pretty much all focused on the the politics of kind of like these three regions in the realm. And it's just a lot of people like in really beautiful rooms talking. It wasn't super high fantasy yet. There weren't dragons in the first season. There wasn't a lot of mysticism. It was pretty grounded. And in its groundedness, it was able to stay within the constraints of its budget and not feel like it was getting stretched. And I think the problem with Wheel of Time is whether because it's inherent in the book or because they're trying to capture some of that mid to late Game of Thrones scale and spectacle you feel like they're straining the budget and like the sets look cheap, the clothes and the wigs look cheap, the special effects and the green screen looks cheap, which is too bad. Um, and it's just distracting enough for me to notice it. And I think maybe compromise my enjoyment a little bit. That being said, I'm going to keep going. Okay. I'm going to keep going. Um, but it's, it's kind of like, eh, so far. So if I, if I think, you know, if, if Cowboy Bebop is like a, a, a strong encouragement to go watch Wheel of Time, I'd be like, eh, give it a little time maybe and see if it's good. Got it. Um, and then I promise is my last one. My final <laughs> plug is uh, Master of the Universe Revelation. So the the, the latter Ooh. half of the series, which the first half came out earlier yeah. this year, um, which I was really, really enthusiastic about then. I've now seen the whole second half and am equally enthusiastic about it now. It is so much fun. It is packed with like every voice actor you know and love. A lot of them from the DCAU. Uh, Skeletor was not a super prominent character in the first half, and he is here a lot in the second half, which means you get like full on epic scene chewing levels of Mark Hamill <laughs> voice acting, and he he is so much fun in this. He's so ridiculously fun. And I'd say the other real standout is uh, Lena Headey, speaking of Game of Thrones, uh, Cersei from Game of Thrones. She voices Evil Lynn, and she has so much to do in this half and is so fantastic. Um, and it's just, it's so much fun. If, you know, there's all these like absolutely ridiculous complaints about the first half, not having a lot of He-Man, a lot of Skeletor, which is actually not true. They just weren't necessarily part of like the main A plot. Um, mm -hmm. And they're back in, in full force here. And just like, the scale and the spectacle gets ramped up. It continues to have a great Brayer Mercury score. I I loved it. Absolutely loved it. So I, I definitely think, even if you're not a He-Man person, but you love re just really good animation, I mean, if you're listening to a podcast in the DCAU, I assume you do, especially now that the whole story is being told, it's not kind of cut off in half, go watch the entire thing. Um, I, I really don't think you'd be disappointed. It's so much fun. What do you call a He-Man fan? I don't know. I wasn't one until recently, so <laughs> I don't know. Can we call them the he people? I was thinking maybe a he maniac. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. that's much better. Uh, I'll have to text my friend who is a huge He-Man fan and ask him what the official fandom name is. Yes. So, um, but yeah, yeah, definitely go check that out. But uh yeah, so lots of TV plugs this week, but some some pretty solid stuff to go check out. So Yeah. Uh yeah. and we will be watching Hawkeye pretty much right after we finish recording. Exactly. Yeah, I think we're both ready to get off this call so we can go watch hawkeye <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we'll, we'll circle back to that in, uh on our next episode yes. um but yeah i think uh, i think that does it for us cameron i think we did it we did it so we will be back our next episode we will be covering Ooh, this is very exciting flash and substance oh <gasps> 
Yes, the episode we're always referencing. The, finally. The the Flash and Trickster together, finally. We will be covering that. We will be covering uh, Dead Reckoning, an episode I do not really remember specifically, but I do know the Dead Man features in it, and also it is the return of Tala, who we've been wondering oh. what the hell happened to her after she got stuck in a mirror. I love so, Dead Man. Yeah, I do too. He's a fantastic character, and it just seems to not ever be um, super well utilized, so... That should be pretty cool. Actually, yeah, we got we got good stuff coming up. Um, I think maybe the latter half of this season is a little bit better than what we've had so far. So cool, which is good. But until then, if you want to reach us, we are at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. I yes, am yes, yes. at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, if you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron Dexter. If you want to see my face, you can find that at Cam Dexter underscore Adventures. Wee! Yes, we have lots of dog pics on the way. Yes, nothing but great old dog content. Uh, but thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back then. And until then, uh, bye-bye. Bye. It's beautiful. You know you hit those good high notes when you just fully cut out in the audio. Yep, just clipped. <laughs> Not going to happen. <laughs>